This is Joanna DeChellis, editor of Club and Resort Chef. Today, we're talking with Jason McLean, executive chef of the Jonathan Club, which is located in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Over the past decade, Chef McLean has completely transformed the Jonathan Club's culinary program into what he calls culinary Disneyland. It's now one of the largest food and beverage operations in the country, with more than $20 million in food and beverage revenue. McLean constantly pushes himself and his team to evolve and grow. He's not afraid to take risks. In fact, when we featured the Jonathan Club in the magazine a few years ago, Chef McLean told me that when he was hired, he came in with the mindset that he was either going to hit it big or get fired in six months. Fortunately, the former proved true. Thanks for joining us today, Chef. How are you? I am unbelievable. How are you? I am great as well. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been with the Jonathan Club? I've been with the Jonathan Club just under 10 years. It's been a phenomenal ride, but we just keep going up and up. Tell us a little bit about the food and beverage program at the Jonathan Club. How many members do you have and how many dining operations do you have within the club? We have about just under... 3,800 members with families and significant others. It probably is about 10, 12,000 people. The club is used very much by our members. It's a social club, so uh, basically there's gyms, there's there's food and beverage outlets, and people eat and have libations and just enjoy their life. So we we want to become a home away from home. We take it very, very seriously. Uh, uh, we're always looking to change, stay relevant. We don't really compete with other clubs. We only compete with what uh, what the food trends are and compete with just getting better and better. You're uh, in Los Angeles, right? So I imagine there's some pretty serious restaurant competition around you. Yeah, we we have uh, we have Bestia, we have Bavel, we have. And I would say in the last five years, there's probably been about 60 newcomers that have come downtown. Wow. But we're not afraid. We like to play with the big boys. Absolutely. So uh, so, uh, that's the direction we go. And it's super ingredient-based. My philosophy is that the food speaks for itself. There isn't molecular gastronomy. There isn't moving walls. It's substance cuisine and the proof is in the pudding. Tell me a little bit about your culinary background. How did you get started cooking? My father went bankrupt when I was 15, and he told me to get a job. So I got it. I used to play tennis as a kid. So I started teaching tennis classes at a local country club. And then one day the general manager ran up and said, hey, you want to be a busboy? Or well, mine didn't show up. I said, sure, I'll try it. And then I went to become a dishwasher, and then... I, another guy cut his hand to the, in the pantry, so I started cooking. And the first time I started cooking, I just liked the pace of it. I'm dyslexic, so oh, school was ne- I was never great at school, but I was always into sports and fast-moving things. I liked the pace of the kitchen. I loved creating. I liked the idea. A chef took me under his wing. And kind of taught me how to cook. I worked there for four years. I worked 40 hours through high school. They were mentors and believed in me. And then they told me I should go to the Culinary Institute of America. So 
Um, I found a way to get there. I graduated the Culinary Institute, and then when I came out, I worked for the Four Seasons for about 10 years. That kind of set me up early in my career. They gave me a discipline and a drive. And then I would always work second jobs at other restaurants, four-star restaurants here and there and all throughout the city. And then I was fortunate enough with the Four Seasons. I'm from Philadelphia. I got to transfer to New York City and worked there. And once I went to New York, that kind of woke me up to speed, ambition, being a little bit more food-focused. And then I had the opportunity to work with Nobu. He pulled me out of New York, and I went to Miami and started. Uh, that was my first hotel, and I started as chef de cuisine. I rose to executive chef and oversaw all the outlets. And then I owned two restaurants in my 30s that did very, very well. And then when the economy went down, I said, oh, I don't want to go back to Ritz-Carlton or Four Seasons, one of the those boring, stuffy hotels. So I, I, I went into running casinos because I want to learn volumes. So I ran Foxwood and MGM okay. that had about 27 restaurants and $220 million in F&B. And that's when I learned how to be a good orchestrator, planning, how to run big things, how, how to manage my time and how, how to deal with HR issues and right. things like Do that. Financial. Really the, the chef side of it. Yeah. And once I had that, uh, it became a huge platform. Then Pachanga stole me from Foxwood. So I always want to be in California because you can play golf all year long. <laughs> so I... I came, and then I, my vision was always to wait for the economy to come back, buy a brownstone in San Francisco, and open a chef-driven restaurant. But the Jonathan Club called me. I took the interview because I never had been in a private club. I, I thought it would be cool. I kind of wanted to see the art. I had driven by the building, and I thought I just always wondered what was in the building. So I took the interview at the JC. I met Matthew all that, and he told me he wanted someone that could drive the bus and really the, deliver a culinary program. So my first question was, can you stay out of the way and let me do it? And he said, yes. And then I said, do you have any money? And he, and he said, yes. So I said, if you have the means and you know where you want to be in the end, let's do it. And we formed a partnership. It's been like a father to me. And we just we just went on this ambitious journey to, to make culinary Disneyland. And we're getting there. And 10 years later, you're still there. So you've done a lot yep. at the Jonathan Club over the past decade. Everything from a rooftop garden to these pop-up dinners that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about the support you get from Matthew Alnett, who's the general manager, a little bit about the support that he gives you as you take these big risks and what the payoff has been for things like the garden and these pop-up dinners. When I started, I was here about a month, and uh, obviously you start with your three-meal restaurant, and you want to make a culinary impact, and I I put like short ribs on and changed the menu, 
And about three weeks into it, a, a lady called me over, wanted to meet the new chef, and she said, this is like a real restaurant. <laughs> right? And my head, it clicked like a light switch. Yeah. I knew never to look back, just continue to do this, because I always thought it was odd. People join clubs, but they have a second standard of how the restaurant should be. Like, oh, it's my club, the food and the... The service doesn't really need to be so good because it's it's my home away from home. They didn't, and I didn't want to be a restaurant that, or any product we offer to be second rate. I, I couldn't live with Jason McLean and the Jonathan Club and the next door mediocre or okay. Right. And so, so that was my driving force. I just... I don't compete with other clubs. I don't compete with other restaurants. I just compete with how good my team and myself, how we can be the best. And once we start with that, right, then we come up with what we like, what the offerings are, and where we're going to go, how we're going to do it. But I I think the the main thing, the food is the technique and and the creative side is, is is myself and my sous chefs, but the main thing is get it, bringing people together. We have to bring the staff together. We have to inspire them. And then we have to apply pressure, because we all know pressure makes diamonds. Uh, my kitchens are, we, I'm not a yeller or a screamer, but I do challenge the staff. And I don't want to keep a dish on the menu too long, because I... I believe once they think they've gotten it, they don't put the same love and integrity into the dish. So I'm always, always changing or tweaking. Or, or even if it's been on there and we can't change it, I'll change the presentation, I'll change the plate, I'll, I'll change the garnish. So how do, you keep, change. how do you keep your people abreast of all that? Like how are we constantly training or what's what's the process to make sure that they know never that stop. never settle? I never stop training. We do pre-shifts every day. We do post-shifts every day. We have cooks meetings every two weeks. We have communication boards, like what's hot all over the place. There's quotes to inspire them all throughout the kitchen. What do you we look do for in a new hire? If They're going through this. They've obviously hunger. got to have a lot of passion. Hunger. 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 I want them young and dumb. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't look for resumes. I don't. I don't even care if they've ever cooked before. All I look is that they're moldable, and they listen. So what's the process then? Someone that comes in that's never cooked in a kitchen. Where do you start them? We start them. We start them at the bottom. We start them chopping vegetables, cleaning the walk-in, organizing. You know, get a list, get a tablet, write everything down. Do the big jobs first, the little jobs second. And then there's no recipes at the Jonathan Club, so everything is tell-show review. I meet with the sous chefs, I write the menus, we go over our plan, and we're highly organized, and then we, then we delegate the plan. And I do all my paperwork on the weekends before anyone gets here. So during the week, all I do is circle circle the properties, talk to guests, cook on the line, do different things like that because I want to lead by example. I'm not really an office chef. 
if I prioritize all my time so I can stay in the kitchen. And then my sous chef and I, we just check, 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 check some more, and then check some more. You have one of the best sushi programs in town. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got that off the ground and what makes it so special? I honestly think what makes it so special is I found someone that is probably the most passionate guy that ever cut fish in his life. I interviewed 212 people, and I used to work with Nobu, and when I worked with Nobu, Morimoto was with him and everything like that. So sushi became very dear to my heart, but I knew there's only two things with sushi the quality of fish and the quality of rice. So when I met Chef Moss, our sushi chef, I said, what makes a good sushi program? And he took the words out of my mouth. He said, the quality of the rice and the quality of the fish. So we went that route. We we got Masa, we got him a team. We decided we were going to offer it at the beach because that's our younger membership and younger demographics, so they kind of grew up with sushi. Our town club location are a little bit older members, so we we haven't offered it. We might offer it in the future, and we buy all, all the fish. We grate fresh wasabi. We don't use the powder. We make our own soy sauce. We, we basically, same philosophy. I have the best ingredients. We... We have unbelievable China to to, uh, to present it, and we do omakases now. Where sometimes when we do tasting menus, I'm not even involved. We just do all sushi. We have a growing Asian clientele that's joining the club, and it's just super super popular. I mean, it it's about. 25% of our sales in our new restaurant at the Beach Club that we remodeled uh, two years ago. We spent about $8 million on it. Wow. doesn't even feel like you're in a club. It feels like you're at Soho House. That's and we awesome. average 300 covers a night in the summer. And then in the, the winter, we do about half that because, you know, it's the beach. It's cold. It's, but now we have year-round business part to the new restaurant and the second half is the sushi program. When you remodeled that the Beach Club's restaurant and knew you were going to bring in a sushi chef, did you change the layout of the kitchen? Does this, the sushi chef have a dedicated space to work or is it Yeah, we did some improvements and enhancements to the kitchen and they have their their own special space. We thought it was gonna be a sushi chef plus one, and because of the business, it's a sushi chef plus four now. Wow. And, and we can barely keep up. So it's a good problem to have. Definitely. Tell me a little bit about how you inspire your team. The way I do it is uh, I think outside the box. I don't want to do anything that someone else does, or I don't want to have long, laborious meetings. I... I I basically, anyone that I hire has to have upward potential. Also, like the first question I ask when I interview, where do you want to be in five years? If they have no clue, they don't work for me because I want self-motivated people so that they can grow and, and they can become a sous chef. Most of my sous chefs have been promoted from within. I normally don't go outside. 
and that helps. We do fun things like we do yoga. We'll just take the culinary uh, team does yoga together. Uh, yeah. Do you need it? Take, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. We just take some towels and. It's not really yoga. It's more like a stretch, and we go in the big ballroom. We put them on the floor or after a cook's meeting or whatever in the beginning of the day, and we'll get 15, 20 people, and we'll do like a five- to seven-minute stretch just to kind of take the pressure off and and, and get everyone refocused. It's That's actually awesome. become one of our most popular things that we do. When did I you did start it during that? just about a Two years ago, I did it during December. Everyone was stressed out, so I just took them in and did a couple of stretches. And then I didn't think anything of it. And my sous chefs came back to me and said, Hey, chef, why aren't we doing it again? We really liked it. So we do stretches that are dedicated to, you know, lower back and stuff like that because chefs stand all day. Yeah. So they enjoy that. We have a culinary book club. We buy used books on Amazon. I pick the chefs, and they just the cooks can check them out and take them home, and and if they see something that turns them on, they'll come talk to the sous chef, and we'll run it as special, and we'll do our own take on it. So we're always, always pushing. What's next? What's next? Where are we going? What are we doing? And things like that, and then. With the quotes and the, the communication boards, we always cut pictures out of the magazines. We put what we like. We, we do theme menus for the month, and we'll do Barcelona for a whole month, and we'll do a wine dinner at the end of the month. And that's usually popular, and that sells out. We focus on the presentation, and then... As we check, we're, we always have a hot list. Oh, our red line sauce needs a little work. Oh, oh, I always aren't thinking of, oh, we need to get better sears on the crab cake. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. We never say, oh, we got it. We know how to do it. How do you keep ahead of that? I mean, obviously, you're the driver of this. So what inspires you? For me, I just want to create food memories. That, that That's all it comes down to. Uh, I don't. I don't care about anything else except the end result. All I care about is the, is if you come in the dining room, I want you to leave and be like, wow, I can't wait to come back. That's the, that's truly the only thing. What I is your fondest food memory? Uh, I would say uh, Gotham Bar and Grill. The first time I went to Gotham Bar and Grill, I, I had a piece of fish with a corn pudding. I just liked the energy of the room. I didn't have much money back then, so I it was kind of like I, I saved up to go to the restaurant. It was new at the time. And, and I just remember like how beautiful the food came, how great it was. And I just said, someday that's going to be me. I want to I wanna be running something like this. And here you are. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to eat right now? Right now, uh, I would say I'm into my new peach and burrata salad. We do a, uh, a wood-grilled peach that we take lavender from the garden and we infuse it with honey, and then we put it over a burrata mousse with a crispy kale and tomato confit with a Bordeaux syrup. It's like hot and cold, and then because we get the kale really crispy because we fry it, it has texture on the thing. 
I just think it's probably one of the best starters on the planet right now. Sounds like it's a beautiful dish, too, with the bright colors of the orange and the dark of the kale. Yeah, it's... I, I kind of made it because I didn't feel like doing tomato, burrata, what everyone else does and everything. And because it's hot and cold, it's like so far. So I, it kind of it hits you on a lot of different levels. And when I first came out with it, I thought it was a good dish. But now it's, it's kind of like the word around the club is you have to start with the pizza. Oh, oh so. nice. <laughs> if you weren't a chef, what would you be? I think I'd either, I wish I could be a pro golfer, but I don't have the swing, or I'd be in the music business. Ah, as what? Uh, I'd be a rapper, I think. <laughs> okay, so for our next podcast, I expect a full rap prepared for us. <laughs> no problem, no problem. <laughs> so what's your next big idea for the Jonathan Club? You're always coming up with cool ideas. What's next? We have our 13th floor. We're going to do a new restaurant on the has a grab-and-go element, so it's going to be like a three-meal restaurant. There'll be grab-and-goes, or there'll be tapas, there'll be, and then we'll have a restaurant on one of our terrace, but it'll have a dual purpose that we'll be able to do, uh, the way the kitchen will be laid out, you'll be able to do charcuterie and pop-up and different stations, so if the other terrace has a function, we can supply the food from there, but it, it won't. I want to eliminate buffets. I'm trying to get away from buffets and make it more action station and more plated. And and the only reason for that is I just think the quality of the food is better. And I we're trying to get away from, from the old club business and move into a, a you know cooked all in a nude or a fresher, a healthier. A, a different type of product, you know, not always a sit-down dinner, maybe family-style dinners or things like that to make it a little bit more exciting, make it more casual. We're lightening up the dress codes all throughout the club, which I never thought would happen. Was it suit and tie, or what was the... Suit and tie and everything, but now on our terraces and some of our more casual spaces, you can wear jeans, Games that are dark colored, you can, on the weekends, because people go to games at the Staples Center and things like that, we've, we've lightened it up. Our, our, our outlets themselves are becoming more modern, aren't as traditional as they used to be, and the membership is really taking a liking to it because, you know, our demographics changing. With the uh, influx of new memberships, there's a lot more cultures, there's a lot more change in it. So we're just looking to be fresh, more fun, always looking at the China. Uh, we've been doing a lot with exchange programs where, like one of my chefs is going to Tokyo for a month, and they send someone from the Tokyo American Club to come with us just so we can get forward learning. Oh, wow. We have a scholarship How do you program. Those? They write an essay and uh, basically it goes, we put them in a hat and the ones who do it, we pick it and then they go and they get set up. But we really invest in the staff. <laughs> yeah. We invest in that. I, I have a lot of people that come through and do stages with us where 
we're looking at our partnerships where we buy the food and things like that. If we can expand, if we can do different things, and uh, we we're looking, we're, we're still looking for a farm to to grow more organic produce. So it's constantly changing. Never rest. <laughs> Uh, I'll rest when I retire. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Chef. We really appreciate you sharing a little bit about yourself and about the Jonathan Club. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joanna. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. For more podcasts, check out our website, www.clubandresortchef.com.